Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, June 23rd. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. The latest on the likelihood of a public inquiry into foreign interference as most MPs start their summer break. We are very much uh, looking to work collaboratively with the other parties, but there has to be clarity around the fact that they are all committed and in agreement with the process we move forward on. And the company that owns Facebook and Instagram says it will end access to news on its social media sites for all Canadian users after the Senate passes Bill C-18. To ensure the Canadian made, uh, Canadian news media are paid for the news they produce. Joining us is Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Julie. So this is our last little session together. So um, it's great, I'm looking forward to it. And um, again, oh my God, we've been talking about this for months. But the whole issue of foreign interference is still on the table. And we understand that uh, Dominique Leblanc has been having discussions with the opposition leaders. Where is it at now? Well, I think we're getting very close to an announcement on the public inquiry. Uh, Mr. Leblanc has been holding negotiations with uh, largely with the House leaders. Uh, he had a session with the uh, uh, four, op- four opposition House leaders, that includes the Green Party, um, on Thursday. And they were all quite mum about what was going on in these negotiations. I think there's a realization that the opposition parties have to, and the government have to come to an agreement on this. If they, if this falls apart, um, it's going to be bad for everybody mm-hmm. because, you know, they, uh, the, the appointment of uh, David Johnson was a disaster and the public does want a public, does want an inquiry to look into uh, Chinese interference in our elections. So um, I'm, I have a sense that uh they're very, very close to an agreement, and the all of the people I was talking to were just saying, stay tuned until Friday. So I think we may get an, an announcement today. Uh, of course, it'll probably be at 6 o'clock, uh, Julie. Of course, yeah. Then we all want to go home. That's how it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but what, what's interesting, uh, it looks like it'll also, this inquiry, what, what we need to know in this inquiry is the timelines, you know, how quick it is before an, an election, and obviously is it also going to include and i think it will uh, india and russia and iran um because the ndp have been very wanting to do that and um and pierre Pauli have said he has no problem with it the key is are they going to uh, name a judge or will it be a panel of people looking into it uh but some names have been bandied about uh seriously bandied about um, Louise Arbar was mentioned by the Bloc Quebecois, but quickly knocked down by the other parties because, as the NDP pointed out, you know she also served on the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation. We can't have her. <laughs> this on is it. always the problem, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and and uh, although she is a former Supreme Court judge and she's handled human rights complaints at the United Nations, she um, has no experience in national security. One mm. name had been mentioned. Is uh, Justice Noel, uh, 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 Simon Noel, Noel yeah. uh, except that he's just recently, he, and he has done a lot of the national security cases, and he's really good because he doesn't take crap from the, the security services if they try to lie to him. Oh, yeah. Um, but he's just been appointed a le- uh, an intelligent commissioner from the government that's over going to oversee uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, intelligence matters put forward by our agency so i can't he just got that appointment in october so i can't see him moving 
Another possible name is Richard Mosley, who is also a, a former federal judge who has had an extensive experience in national security. I hope they go that route because somebody who has national security experience will quickly be able to cut through the BS, if I may say so, mm-hmm. if the if, if uh, security uh, intelligence agencies like CSIS are not providing with the proper information. And they just have a background and deep understanding of how intelligence is gathered and used. And I think it would be beneficial to the country if we have somebody who's a judge and has a national security experience. They go the way of, of a panel, which um, the NDP had suggested, but whether that's going to happen or not, um, I'm just not sure uh, who would be who would be named to that because all the parties will have to agree to it. Mm-hmm, exactly. Now, Pierre Poliev has indicated for a week or so that um, you know assure us that it's going to be a public inquiry. Then we'll give you some names. Like, are you convinced they've the government has actually come to the conclusion? You know, finally, after months and months of people demanding it, three votes in the House and so on, is the government convinced that it has it will be a public inquiry? Yeah, it's going to be a public inquiry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. a big chunks of it is going to uh, of the hearings are going to have to be behind closed doors so that the uh, presumably a judge is going to have to be able to hear the intelligence in in, in private, which is, which is not a big deal. I mean, it was done for the Aurora, Aurora inquiry. It was done for Air India inquiry. It was done many, many, many years ago for the McDonald Royal Commission and the RCMP wrongdoing. So definitely it can be done. Uh, right. I don't think that's going to be the issue. The terms of reference will be really interesting. Um, how are they? Go- will they be going to look at uh, what what the government knew and whether they were whether they uh, officials knew about it but didn't want to tell the prime minister because they just didn't want to know mm-hmm. um, or mm-hmm. did somebody in the government at the, at the political level but maybe not the ministerial level knew about this and everybody whispered amongst themselves but let's not tell the prime minister hmm. that's going to be really interesting because mm-hmm. there is a there is suspicion that some somewhat grounded too that liberals uh, didn't want to know about this because they benefited electorally if the uh, China, China, and uh, its proxies were trying to uh, defeat conservative MPs in heavily Chinese Canadian ridings, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Liberals, by the way, won all those ridings the last election campaign. Um, that does that was was that just willful ignorance on their behalf? Um, we don't know because when David Johnson did his uh, report, he simply asked the Prime Minister, "Did you know?" And the Prime Minister said, "Of course not," and he accepted his word. The right. judge is not going to accept the word. They're going to want to see emails, right? signals, yeah. uh, traffic, WhatsApp, all the documents. They're going to have people put forward and they can cross-examine the witness. They'll be sworn under an oath. So if they lied, they can be prosecuted. So and have all full subpoena powers to get every all, all information, like, although probably not cabinet documents. Right. Well, the other thing is all about the timing of all this when it was going on. And I guess some people have wondered if the two Michaels being incarcerated had the government backing down. But I guess we'll, we won't know until we start probing into it. Right. Or, or like yeah. not wanting to agitate things because the two Michaels were in prison. Well, they didn't have to agitate. They could have just, just made an uh, effort to stop uh people from interfering in the election campaign exactly that's not agitate that's not no. agitate i mean what's no. more you know 
Yeah, what's more important, exactly. Yeah. Um, so mm. now, is it your understanding that, uh, I guess we'll find out more when we find out, but is it your understanding that this is something that's going to wait till the fall or is there going to be something oh. struck over the summer or what do you think? Well, uh, look, I, I'm just, all the parties want to get this underway as quickly as possible so there'll be a report, or at least an interim report back before an election. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not going to be easy if it's public inquiries can't open the you know set up shop next week. Uh, you have to hire uh, counsel yeah. uh, and staff. You have to get office space, and then you have to figure out how you're how you're going to work in getting all those secret documents. Where are they going to be able to see this information? Because they have to be in secure and buildings be able to yeah. do this. Yeah. So it's it's if I, personally I I. Don't think it could start until September, but because mm-hmm. you and I have been around long enough to know, Julie, that these kind of inquiries don't just don't start the next day after they're announced. They, no, of they, course not. They take no. time. <clears throat> yeah, they take time to set up. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing that was interesting in the last couple of days was uh, the, the prime minister's security um, head, Jody Thomas, uh, basically talking to um, one of my former colleagues, Catherine Cullen, to say, that the leaker of all this information over the months will be found and will be punished. Uh, so there's no better person to ask than you since uh, the leaker leaked to you and Steve Chase. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, the government has been far more concerned with trying to find the whistleblower than they have been in uh, trying to get to the bottom of why uh, after years of warnings from CSIS, there has been so little inaction. And still to this day, the government has done uh, nothing concrete to uh, deal with uh, Chinese foreign interference, other than telling ministers uh, and people like Jody, uh, Jody Thomas to, that they should read their briefings from CSIS, because that might help. Mm-hmm. Um, because we found out in the case of Michael Chong that it seemed nobody read the email or not the email, but the uh, classified intelligence document that said that China was going after him and members of his family in 2021. For some reason, everybody said they never read that memo, um, even though uh, it shouldn't jump out at anybody. They're going after a member of parliament. Um, but it doesn't matter. Any minister you talk to, uh, within a few minutes, they're they're saying, well, you know, we're going to find, we have to find out who this leaker is because it's obviously it's highly embarrassed the government. But what it has done is woken up the country to the extent of Chinese foreign interference. Um, it's led to uh, the, the appointment of David Johnson, who uh, did a report that is not being very credible, um, and he's had to resign. And now we're got finally what everybody has said we needed in the first place was a public inquiry. We would not have had a public inquiry if it wasn't for the whistleblower. So um, maybe they could focus on actually doing something about it than just running around with this determination to find the whistleblower so that they can, you know, wreck the scaffold on Parliament Hill and hang them. Or right. Her. Or her, exactly. Well, it's interesting. I was the whistleblower had an article in the Globe and Mail a while back explaining why he or she did leak the information. And uh, of course, you would know this, but saying, you know, I've tried for years and so have my colleagues to raise these concerns. uh, And basically, they were ignored. 
there was no serious action being considered. Um, and, you know, he's, he or she said, my oath is not to party or to person, but to my country and its democratic institutions. And I hope that by providing the public with information I believe to be in the interest of all Canadians, we as a country would begin a much deeper conversation about what it is we expect of our government. I'm just, I was just reading this person's, um, you know, account of why they did this. And I guess if you want to look at it in the light of day, this is what has happened, right? This is a conversation, debate, information that we never would have uh, that we never would have known. Yeah, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of um, senior security people in CSIS uh, who've now retired, and I've, at the beginning they said, you know, we're they were really upset about. Uh, the the whistleblower and uh, this should not happen. And then as they learn more and more, some of these people have said, well, you know what? I've changed. I've changed my mind. Um, I think this was a good thing because we wouldn't have known the extent of what China has been up to or potentially the problems uh, going on inside that government doesn't at this particular stage. I think there's more to it. But at this stage, the government wasn't taking any of this seriously. Uh, because apparently they weren't reading their emails or getting their briefings or reading the, the intelligence assessments, which were flowing in for years, right. coming in about the extent of this. And it's not just a involvement at federal elections in the 20, 2019 and 2021 election campaign. It's been happening at the municipal level. Mm-hmm. It's been happening provincially. Uh, it's been happening to business people. It's very, very extensive uh, what China's been doing, and they're doing it in other countries as well. But there's been a uh, this government has just turned a blind eye to all of this stuff. So and to the diaspora, to the and, diaspora. And the, the, good yeah. point, actually, really, really good point, because the communities affected by the bullying and harassment from um, chi- Chinese uh, diplomats or their proxies have been uh, yelling for years. Uh, do something about this, because they're you know they're threatening our families back in China. They're harassing us here. You know, it's it's very, very serious stuff that they're going through. And the government has basically said, oh, call the hotline at the the RCMP and maybe somebody will come and help and deal with this. And of course, they don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was just reading his final or her final comments of this uh, whistleblower leaker, depending how you look at it, on the question of what happens next for me. I have little to say but this. If and when the time comes, I will take my lumps for my part in this. I will do so without resentment or regret, knowing that while what I have done may be unlawful, I cannot say that it was wrong. So anyway, it's... Well, I think this person is very much like Daniel Ellsberg of the Mm -hmm. Pentagon Papers, who Mm -hmm. leaked the Pentagon Papers and showed the extent of American uh, uh, involvement and lying about the war in Vietnam. And... uh, you know, I think this individual is the same way. He's well-meaning. Uh, you know, she is well-meaning. And, you know, whether, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's potentially the person could uh, get, get caught. And uh, there will be, a, you know, pretty severe punishment. But the individual is aware of that. And, um, they could, but if, uh, this person believes that um, government needs to take this seriously and they're finally they finally are taking it seriously but we're still waiting 
uh, some pretty important measures like a foreign agent registry to be mm-hmm. set up, whether they're mm-hmm. going to make foreign interference a criminal offense during election campaigns, are they going to allow CSIS to be much more forthcoming with Canadians and members of parliament mm-hmm. uh, about these kind of threats? There's lots that can be mm-hmm. can be done about it. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a lot to watch for in the, in the coming days and months. And um, yesterday there was another development out of the Senate because Bill C-18 was passed. And that is a bill that forces the big uh, tech giants to actually pay for the news that they post and share. And uh, they're digging their heels in saying they're not going to put news on their websites anymore uh, on Facebook and so on. So is that a surprise? What do you think of that? Well, it's not going to be very good for um, the news businesses, publishers, publishers. from the CBC to the Globe Mail to the Toronto Star, if Facebook says, well, we're not going to post, we're not going to allow people to see what you and I can still post if we want mm-hmm. on Facebook or, mm-hmm. or I could, you know, our, say the Globe could, could post on Facebook, but you're going to be denied to be able the opportunity to be able to see it in Canada. Mm-hmm. So that means millions of dollars of money is going to be lost to, um, you know, to to these people, and you know what has happening before is that you know publishers were pay- posting their stories on Facebook. They weren't getting paid for it, but you know millions of people were able to see their product, and maybe they would then subscribe to the publication. Right? Um, that's not going to happen now, and it, it's it, it, it. What probably is really more of a concern to me is Google. If Google does the same thing, that's going to have a big impact because Canadians aren't going to be able to Google Canadian news. Right. It's just not going to be able to. They're going to stop them from doing it. So it's a big battle between the federal government and, um, you know, uh, the, the big tech. And the government is digging its heels in. And we'll see uh, who who's, wins on this. Now, this happened in Australia a yeah. number of years ago, Julie. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a similar kind of threats and they ended up backing off and making some kind of a deal. So let's see where this goes. Uh, I know that the federal government is still talking to Google um, and there's some possibility that maybe the regulations will be a little different when they actually come out uh, following the legislation. But we'll see. But it's going to deprive Canadians of being able to see a lot of uh, Canadian uh, news Um so that's not good. Well, yeah, the government is says it's doing this because so many newsrooms are shutting down with small papers and so on. And if they had this revenue, it would help keep um, news jobs going because we've all seen all the cuts. So they're kind of nonstop in terms of uh, what's happening to Canadian news. Yeah, well, the Global Mail, for example, has a deal with Facebook and, and Google. Um so, but this is obviously going to, and, and it's been good for us because we get paid um, for when we put our stuff on. Uh, there's some money coming our way. It's significant. I think uh, a number of other news organizations have had the same deal. Uh, so this is going to impact uh, our business for sure, because mm-hmm. although we will be able to post, if people can't, if they deny access to people seeing it that's going to have an impact on us for Uh, sure absolutely absolutely so and then the other thing the concern is if there's this kind of void some people say it leaves more room for disinformation and so i guess we'll have to see where that goes and um 
So, Bob, I just want to thank you. You've been um, great every Friday. Sometimes I've had to wake you up. But you've yeah, been, a couple of times, Julie. Even, even asleep, <laughs> you were very smart. I can't even imagine what it's like talking to you at 9 o'clock. I mean, you must be, like, brilliant. <laughs> but you always contributed with alacrity and aplomb. I love those two words. So um, I want you to have a wonderful summer. I'm sure I'll be running into you. And uh, thanks again for your weekly contribution. Oh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, even when you wake me up at six in the morning. <laughs> where, are, where are you? <laughs> I know I can't get that that sight of you in your bathrobe out of my head. Anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. OK, Bye. take care. Bye. Talk Bye. to you soon. That's Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for The Globe and Mail. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues the best thing the government could do to save the media is to stop trying to save the media. He writes, it would be ironic, to say the least, if a bill purporting to save the Canadian news media were instead to hasten its demise. But that seems to be where we're headed with Bill C-18. The news business is transitioning from a primarily advertising finance model to a primarily reader finance model. The best way to encourage that process is to get out of the way. All the subsidies in the world won't produce a thriving news industry if people don't read what they produce. And here's the thing. They don't have to. You can make them pay for news, but you can't make them read it. Which then is more likely to enlist willing readers, an industry that is hungry, desperate for paying readers because its survival depends on it, or an industry that keeps being bailed out, whether or not it produces anything worth reading. In the Hamilton Spectator, Susan Franceschet and Jennifer Piscopo make the argument for speeding up gender parity in politics. They write, Canada is falling further behind when it comes to women in politics, ranking 61st globally behind Europe, Africa and Latin America. This underrepresentation matters because when women hold political power, governments are much more likely to develop policies and prioritize spending on issues that affect them. Change doesn't just happen. Those with political power don't easily concede the needs or perspectives of those who are not represented. Canadian women have come together and fought for basic rights before. To speed up the glacial pace of their political advancement, they probably need to do so again. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in Ottawa in the morning for private meetings. Then in the afternoon, he will be in Vaudreuil, Quebec, to visit a local farm in Notre-Dame-de-l'Île-Pérou. Later in the afternoon, he will be in Montreal. To participate in activities for La Fête Nationale du Québec, he will be joined by the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Mélanie Joly. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in Toronto in private meetings. In Hamilton, Ontario, Philomena Tassi, the minister responsible for the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario, will announce a contribution to the arts sector. Rural Economic Development Minister Goody Hutchings will be in Burgio, Newfoundland and Labrador to make an announcement about protecting and conserving marine and coastal waters along the south coast. And Governor General Mary Simon will carry out the annual inspection of the ceremonial guard on the grounds of Rideau Hall. That's it for CPAC Today in Politics. You can access a bonus podcast called The Thrill of the Bill. I've interviewed three MPs about their private members' bills and why they have hung on sometimes for years to see them pass into law. 
Before I sign off, I would like to thank Nicole Arams, executive producer of CPAC, who helps prioritize daily topics from the CPAC newsroom. And two people that make the podcast happen without fail every single day. Melanie Adams helps with the editorial content and script writing. Mike Murphy is the technical producer. Both Melanie and Mike work at lightning speed to make sure the podcast is up and available early in the morning. I'm Julie Van Dusen. My fellow political junkies, our podcast returns when Parliament is back from the break on September 18th. Enjoy your summer. Enjoy your summer.